This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Thinking and Doing. In this podcast, I examine logical fallacies, cognitive biases, stoic teachings from masters past and present, and tips on being better at life. I hope it will be as instructive to you as it is to me in the pursuit of thinking and doing well. Be sure to check out and subscribe to my flagship podcast, Everything Voluntary, where I seek to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. Hello, welcome to the podcast. We're going to look at some Stoic teachings for this episode. We're going to start with an entry in the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday and Stephen Hanselman. We're going to look at the entry for November 15th, which is not today. I select these dates at random. And then we're going to look at a post in the Stoicism subreddit that I thought was pretty interesting. It's it's an analysis of a Seneca teaching. So it's it's got some analysis mixed in with some some Seneca. We'll go through that. All right, here's the entry from the Daily Stoic. It starts with a quote by Marcus Aurelius out of Meditations 5.23. Meditate often on the swiftness with which all that exists and is coming into being is swept by us and carried away. For substance is like a river's unending flow, its activities continually changing and causes infinitely shifting so that almost nothing at all stands still. The first thing this reminds me of is just how much faster life passes by as an aging adult than it did as a child. I remember as a child, it it seemed like forever before the school year would be over or before it would be my birthday again or before Christmas would once again be upon us. And it just, today it just, It's just one of those, it's Halloween already, it's Christmas already, it's Mother's Day already, it's Valentine's already, it's your birthday again already. It just seems like it was yesterday. Everything that comes up, it just seems like it just happened. And it's very swift. So Marcus says, meditate often on the swiftness with which which all that exists and is coming into being is swept by us and carried away. For substance is like a river's unending flow. Its activity is continually changing and causes infinitely shifting so that almost nothing at all stands still. The other thing I'm reminded of is just moments that come and you're in them and then they're gone in the blink of an eye. And it can be moments, single moments with somebody important to you. It can be longer moments, a vacation you planned a week, two weeks, three weeks. You're gone. And then it's over. And in in one sense, it's as if it didn't even happen because it's a memory and the memory fades. And you can think, you know, I'm glad we took all the, the pictures we did. I'm glad we took all the video we did. We can revisit this. To some extent, we can revisit it in our minds. It's, it's possibly a shared experience with other people that you can recall and feel warm about, you know, or if something happens and you have a crazy story you have a good story, you have a bad story, you have a weird story. 
Let's, I remember recently we talked about journaling, right, when we did the, the list. And by the way, my wife asked me to print that for her, and I have not done that yet, and she seems to have forgotten. So, tell you what, before I forget, <laughs> now that I've remembered, see, I finally remembered something. Um, let's just pop over there real quick and leave it open, and that'll remind me. Oh, yeah, it was the 10 Tips on Becoming a Better Person. It was episode 23. And I think it was, um, let me let me go to the original Reddit post. I think it was his first one. Yeah, start journaling. So, you know, you have these moments and they can be long moments. They can be short moments. And they do. It's like a river. They're just here one second and then they're gone. And sometimes it's like, what's going on? Why can't something just stay put for a bit and let me savor it? And... I think we we need to cause it to stay put so that we can savor it. And I think that we do that with focus. We do that with uh, really being present in the moment, really taking it all in, not allowing our minds to wander away from it, not allowing distractions to pull us away, to say, here I am in this moment, for example, with my wife, I'm going to soak it in, I'm going to savor it, or with a child or with a friend. Or, or with an activity, right? You're maybe you're building something. Maybe you're recording a podcast. That's why. That's why I like. I record a podcast every day. It's become routine for me. If I don't do it, I get a little stir crazy. And it's uh, you know, it's like four episodes, four or five episodes to one. My other podcast to this one, but it it gives me a chance to unload a bit gives me a chance to be present in a particular moment and to work stuff out in my mind and as it comes out of my mouth. Okay, sometimes it takes saying something to understand it a bit better and understand where maybe how you're thinking about it is not quite right now that you're hearing it come out of your mouth. Maybe there's some logical flaw in it. So it's helpful for me. It's therapeutic for me. That's why I do it. I don't know if anybody's even listening to this. I don't know if I know a few people that listen to my other one. I've never, I've never been contacted about this one. If you're listening, throw me a line, thinking and doing podcast at gmail.com. Just, just shoot me a quick hello. I don't need you to. I don't need that. That's not why I do this. I just want to know. Let yourself be heard. Anyway, look at that. See, I got distracted. I got pulled away from the moment. All right, let's read what the commentators here in from the book, um, Ryan Holiday and Stephen Hanselman say about this quote. They say Marcus borrows this wonderful metaphor from Herac- Heraclitus. Well, that's quite the name. Who said, no man steps in the same river twice because the river has changed and so has the man. Life is in a constant state of change and so are we. To get upset by things is to wrongly assume that they will last. To kick ourselves or blame others is grabbing at the wind. To resent change is to wrongly assume that you have a choice in the matter. Everything is change. Embrace that. Flow with it. I really like that Heraclitus quote, no man steps in the same river twice. Anytime you do anything, anytime I sit down, for example, I sit down to record a podcast. Sometimes it's this one, usually it's the other one, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a different man, okay? I've gone out into the world. I've done some work. I've met some people. I've listened to, I've listened to some people. Okay, I'm I'm constantly playing podcasts in my ear on very on different topics, some comedy, some philosophy, some politics, some current events, some news, some journalism, some 
science and I'm learning things, you know, all the time, every day. And so when I sit down to record, I have definitely changed. Where where I'm at today is not where I was at yesterday. No man steps in the same river twice because the river has changed and so has the man. It's very good. Life is in a constant state of change and so are we. I like that. To get upset by things is to wrongly assume that they will last. I've talked about this before, um, but whenever some misfortune strikes me, I have become very quick to meditate on the idea that I will not be here in a hundred years. In a hundred years, I will not be here. This misfortune will not matter in the slightest to me or to anybody. It won't even be remembered. It won't even be a thing anymore. It probably won't leave any mark on the world at all. So it's okay to be annoyed. It's okay to be, you know, for a moment, for a time, let yourself feel either angry or annoyed or peeved, or whatever it is, depending on the misfortune. It's more important, though, to to learn from the misfortune. Learn from it, whether it was a mistake, an accident, somebody ripped you off, somebody scammed you. Take every bit of wisdom that you can from the experience, because that will matter tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, a year, a decade, half century. It may not matter. It may not matter to you in 100 years, but you're going to take that wisdom And you're going to build on it and you're going to pass it down to your children, your grandchildren, if you're lucky, your great-grandchildren, and it will build them up. So it will matter through the generations as long as you, you are that guy, you are that person to them, that mentor. All right, that's going to be it for this entry. Let's move on to the Stoicism subreddit. This is a post by... Colby01 or Colby01. I'll link to it. The title of the entry, it's it's a bit long form, not too long. It's an analysis, like I said. Uh, the young character, which cannot hold fast to righteousness, must be rescued from the mob. It is too easy to side with the majority. So this is this is this guy's thoughts on Seneca's letter number seven. So I'll I'll let you know when I'm quoting Seneca and when I'm quoting this guy. I'm gonna read through this and maybe come back to things. If I want to interject, I'll try to make that clear that it's it's me interjecting. Okay, he writes, Seneca's seventh letter on crowds stand in sharp contrast to the two previous letters and to the idea of a social practice of Stoicism. The letter itself is a sharp critique of gladiatorial games and on the cheering crowds. Seneca begins his letter by naming one thing that should be especially avoided, crowds. Quote, do you ask me what you should regard as especially to be avoided? I say crowds. End quote. The main problem with crowds is that they influence us. We will take something from the crowds and bring it home. We will lose our calmness and progress in stoic practice. More specifically, quote, to consort with the crowd is harmful. There is no person who does not make some vice attractive to us or stamp it upon us or taint us without our knowing. End quote. One of the worst crowds is that of the gladiatorial games. Such a crowd makes you more vicious and less virtuous. Quote, but nothing is so damaging to good character as the habit of lounging at the games, for then it is that vice steals subtly upon one through the avenue of pleasure. What do you think I mean? I mean that I come home greedy, more greedy, more ambitious, more voluptuous, and even more cruel and inhuman. End quote. 
Seneca then describes a gladiatorial game in which he found himself by chance. He entered the games but was disgusted by what he saw. Later, Seneca again tells us that a bad, that a bad example affects all of us. Even Socrates and other sages must have felt the influence of the crowd. But there are other crowds that influence us. All over the world you'll find bad examples. They are the rich neighbor who shows off his wealth, a family member who only wants to do harm. What can we do about that? Seneca offers us a solution to look inward and to focus on improving ourselves. We should also seek like-minded people who will make us a better person and who we can teach in return. Quote, Withdraw into yourself as far as you can. Associate with those who will make a better man of you, a better person of you. Welcome those whom you yourself can improve. The process is mutual for men, for people learn while they teach. End quote. Don't worry if you learn Stoic virtues and don't find anybody to share them with. You studied them for yourself. Seneca then shares with Lucilius some of what he has learned. He gives three quotes. Quote, Democritus says, One man means as much to me as a multitude, and a multitude only as much as one man. I am content with few, content with one, content with none at all. I write this not for the many, but for you. Each of us is enough for an audience for the other. End quote. Finally, Seneca ends his letter by urging us to first seek validation from within, instead of relying on the applause of the crowd. Quote, Many men praise you, but have you any reason for being pleased with yourself? If you are a person whom the man can understand, your good qualities should face inwards. Farewell. End quote. All right, that's the end of this post, the end of the, the Seneca stuff, as well as the analysis. Um, before I get to maybe what some of those, uh, it looks like there's three, three reader quotes on here, three, three comments. What, what this is reminding me of is not so much gladiatorial games, though that can happen. You can be part of a crowd, you're in the fervor, you're cheering for your team. Maybe the other team does something that upsets you in the crowd and you start to get a little more ruckus. And maybe that begins to spill onto the field. And before you know it, you've got, you know, a serious situation where there's brawling and stuff going on. Everybody being carried away by the, the passions of the, the moment. You've seen that before. You know, sometimes it starts with the players fighting and then the crowd getting into it. Um, when it comes to the gladiatorial games, of course, it was uh, gladiators who were, my understanding is they were slaves and they were forced to fight, you know, each other. And maybe sometimes they had animals. I'm just thinking of the movie Gladiator, right? They had the tigers on the, the chains and kind of a, you better fight or the, the tiger's going to eat you type thing. And you're, you're getting caught up, you know, as a, as a member of the crowd, you're getting caught up in the, the excitement and the bloodshed and the, you know, there's an, an animalistic uh, feeling about it, right? A brutality that can get the better of you. And I think that same thing is probably why so many of these protests lately here in, in the summer and fall of 2020 have gone from peaceful to violent riots, right? I, th I think that's a combination of what he's talking about here, letting the crowd influence you into vice, right? Behaving like an asshole, looting, vandalizing. But it's also a combination of uh, specific bad actors, that are probably there just for the mayhem. Okay, they recognize the opportunity and they 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 believe either either because they're just assholes, they just want to destroy things, or they believe religiously that doing so is somehow furthering their uh, you know, anti-capitalistic cause or something. There's that new book by uh 
somebody, Vicki Osweiler or so, I think is her name, on defensive looting that's kind of all about how these things are quote-unquote good and virtuous. Anyway, um, uh, not something I agree with, but so I think it's a combination of bad actors getting things started and then other people getting pulled into the moment and becoming vicious assholes, right? And this is resulting in widespread destruction and ruin. Ruin of not necessarily not necessarily life. Like I don't I don't think there's been a lot of people that have been killed. I know there's a situation with the with the kid who was defending himself and ended up killing a couple of people. So there is that. But when a business is burnt down, a business that was somebody's lifeline, a business that fed their family and employed people and fed many families, and it was something that was built by, say, an immigrant who escaped a horrible situation, came here, built a life, built a business, was an American success story as it is, maybe uh, underinsured a bit, and then this happens. And not only is their inventory gone, now their their business is gone. And in some cases, it could be a, a, a business that was passed down generation to generation to 100-year-old business, gone. That's not defensible, in my opinion, that type of behavior. It's, it's an example of what, of what he's talking about here, the way that crowds and the mob influence you into very unvirtuous behavior that leads to destruction and ruin and suffering. You're not holding fast to, quote, righteousness whatever whatever that is virtue virtue so it's easy to be swayed and that that's kind of an extreme example of of what he's talking about there's there's more subtle examples too there's more subtle examples of just the pro, you know protesting in general right people are going to have their unnuanced slogans that are going to represent or supposed to represent some watered down idea of something and you're going to feel the excitement and in a, in a way, in a sense, that's going to that's going to do damage to the nuance. It's going to do damage to the broader arguments being made because it is trying to take something complicated and make it really singular and simple. And when that happens, it's much easier to exploit that, right? It's much easier to, as a bad actor with with an ul- ulterior motives, to to take that and exploit that. Because all the nuance, all the stuff that made it unique, that made it something specific, um, has been has been washed out, so that we can write it on our poster, right? We can write just a simple phrase, three, four, five words, and now we're going to crowd up around this as if it tells the full story, and that that has a really, um, it's really kind of anti-intellectual. And I don't, you know, I don't know about you, but I value thoughtfulness and intelligent argument and discussion and debate. You won't find any of that in crowd-based protests. So I've been, I've been in a protest before and I made a couple of signs and, you know, I took my wife and my kid at the time, he was like three, two or three. And it was like, I've never been in a protest before. Let's go see what it's all about. And honestly, it was a waste of time. So I don't, I don't ever plan on being in one again. And I, I see what's happening now in my city and in, in places all over the world with these protests. And I'm just an observer, right? I see the signs, I read them, and I think this is 
sloganeering. This is taking something that's much more complicated and really doing damage to it. So that's another example. All right. I think I'm out of, uh, I think I'm out of thoughts at this point. <laughs> this will be something to, to meditate on for a bit. Um, that's going to do it. I hope that this episode was interesting to you. I hope it was instructive to you. I hope that you get something out of this. And I will say, I hope you have a better day. Thanks for listening. Please send your comments or questions to thinkinganddoingpodcast at gmail.com. Will you do me a big favor? Will you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening from? That really helps. And one more thing, please share the podcast with your friends. 